seconds of meaning. To stay up to date, subscribe on YouTube, listen on your favorite podcast player or mobile app, or check out RabbiEphraimGoldberg.com. Good morning and welcome to 10 Minutes of Meaning. It is wonderful as always to be back together and to study Mesilas Hasharim, the great work of the Ramchal and Moshe Chaim Lutzato, who tries to teach us how to become the best version of ourselves. Beginning with Zahiras, a life of mindfulness, a life of conscientiousness and cautiousness, a life in which we're present in every speech, thought, and deed. Moving over to Zerizas, alacrity, zeal, enthusiasm, how we can go conquer our day. And then Nikias, what are the things that will bring us down? How can we purge from our repertoire the behaviors, the thoughts, the attitudes that will uh, undermine and sabotage our success? And finally, the Midah of Precious. We're up to the category of how to lead a life of transcendence, how to be able to live without, how to practice the ultimate in a sense of discipline. I want to thank, as always, our generous sponsors for the year, our dear friends Lenny and Chani Grunstein, who sponsored in memory of Chani's father, Mr. Aaron Tambor. His neshama should have an aliyah. If you'd like to sponsor a future class, please email lee at brsonline.org, lee at brsonline.org. We're on the midah of... Precious. And again, the Ramchal is trying to emphasize, or Boshe Chaim Lutato is emphasizing to us, that just because something is permissible, just because according to Jewish law it's allowed, just because according to America law, or whatever country you're living in, just because the law dictates that it's permissible, doesn't mean it's right, and doesn't mean it's good for you, and doesn't mean it'll help you be the best version of yourself. That all of us need to be able to live a certain level of, of discipline, of discipline. There's nowhere that it says you can't sleep for 15 hours a day. There's nowhere that it says you can't finish a six pack of beer and three bags of potato chips on the couch. Although those are not good behaviors for a disciplined Ben or Bas Aliyah, somebody who's striving, who's growing, someone who wants to be the best version of themselves and wants to use the most of their day, that is not what's going to do it. And for example, the rabbi said that intimacy in the context of marriage with the right person in the right place at the right time is perfectly permissible. However, the rabbis established, we don't observe this anymore, but the notion that a man after intimacy becomes a balkari needs to go to the mikvah before he can resume davening or learning. And the reason they did that is to add a step when a person would experience intimacy, which the Torah fully endorses and wants us to derive pleasure and is considered one of the mitzvos of marriage, but nevertheless, a person needs to be disciplined. Even though it's permissible, every time you're engaging in indulging a pleasure, every time we're satisfying an appetite, we have to be in control. We have to understand what we're doing. We have to understand the appetite. We have to create boundaries and parameters around it. And we have to satisfy that appetite in a way which is perfectly permissible. In fact, I was just speaking to somebody yesterday. We have a program next week. Our shul very proudly is launching into a partnership with a local recovery program in order to create uh, relationships between families in our shul and our community and those in recovery. It's a very, very beautiful plan, uh, program. We were talking about the 12-step and recovery program. And they were mentioning that there are two recoveries which are very difficult because when it comes to NA, Narcoholics, uh, Narcotics Anonymous, so the addict is encouraged to realize that they've never conquered the narcotics addiction. They have to manage it for the rest of their life, but they can't have narcotics in any measure, not even a moderate amount. In Alcoholics Anonymous, the alcoholic is, ta- is taught, is a, a successful um, recovery from alcoholism, is to understand that you can never conquer it. You simply manage it. 
And you can't have one drink and you can't enter a bar, but a person needs to divorce themselves altogether from it. Gambling, the same thing. Most of the addictions and most of the systems of recovery, you cannot indulge whatsoever. That's part of the recovery to realize that you can't have it at all. But there are two exceptions, and they are Overeaters Anonymous when it comes to food. When it comes to food, the program, the 12-step program can't talk about how to live a life of abstinence. A person doesn't divorce themselves altogether from it because you need to eat in order to live. So it's an altogether different approach. You need to learn how can you satisfy an appetite, but do so with a sense of discipline, with a sense of self-control, within certain boundaries, within certain parameters. And the same is true with SA, with sexual addiction. If a person is married in the context, again, of a healthy marriage, in appropriate fashion, appropriate time, appropriate place, appropriate person, then it is a pleasure which deserves to be experienced and the recovery program shouldn't include it being divorced from it altogether, but rather it needs to be managed. And that's this Midah of Precious. The Midah of Precious is, what are the areas of our life in which we're not trying to be transcendent or practice abstinence altogether? To the Jew, holiness is not living without. Holiness is taking and transforming. Holiness is taking and transforming. Yesterday we mentioned in the Parsha Shir that when Yisro arrives and joins the Jewish people and he offers sacrifices and they make a big barbecue, big barbecue to welcome Moshe's father-in-law. Aaron is there, the Jewish people are there, Moshe is there, and it says, they ate, achlu lifneha elokim. And Rabbi Soloveitchik, we mentioned yesterday, says, the Judaism is a religion that doesn't distinguish between eating and being before God. The Greeks, that all of religion was philosophy and the abstract and conceptual and in the brain and the power of the intellect couldn't possibly connect the words eating and lifnei elokim before God. But to us, we try to find holiness in the mundane. Holiness is engaging the physical and material world and imbuing it and embedding it and transforming it and elevating it and enriching it with a sense of spirituality, with a sense of holiness. So whether it's the act of eating or the act of intimacy, whether it's sleep, whatever physical pleasure there is, they're not forbidden to us. However, we have to be regulated in the way that we experience and encounter them. And that's what the Ramchal is saying. There's a particular danger in a slippery slope that when you're allowed to have something in moderation, how do you make sure that when you engage or indulge it, it doesn't increase an appetite that makes you satisfy the appetite in an inappropriate or disproportionate or unhealthy way? And the Ramchal here has an extraordinary insight, an insight that psychology has only started to catch up to now. Chazal, rabbis in the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, when it comes to the appetite for intimacy, it works paradoxically, opposite most appetites. Most appetites, the more that you uh, satisfy them, then the less the appetite is. You took care of it, you indulged it, now it's good to go. And the more you starve it, the hungrier it becomes. But when it comes to the sexual appetite, when it comes to the appetite for intimacy, our rabbis already note, the more you indulge it again in an unhealthy way, by surfing and looking and watching and doing and acting out, the more you indulge it, then the hungrier it gets. And the more you deprive it, then the more satisfied it is. Paradoxical, this appetite. It works different. Again, this was the whole basis of Freud. It works different than all other appetites, and therefore it needs a different approach and attitude, a different level of governance and regulation than all other appetites. Even in the right time, there's a notion that even that which is permissible at the right time, in the right place, one doesn't indulge in absolutely everything because by practicing some modicum of self-restraint, by practicing some modicum of discipline, by working out that discipline muscle and preserving that healthy sense of discipline within ourselves, then we're able to lead the most disciplined life. 
And as we've said countless times, discipline is freedom. Discipline with money means more money. Discipline with time means that you have more time. Discipline with, with uh, appetite means you have healthier relationships. Hamabushim v'hakishutim, clothing and ornaments. Lo yizira, Torah yafiam altav nisam. Torah doesn't have a prohibition against beauty or style. Torah doesn't tell you you can't spend this much money on a watch or jewelry or a dress or a custom-made suit. Torah doesn't tell you, nowhere is there a sif in Shulchan Aruch, nowhere is there a paragraph in the Code of Jewish Law that dictates what kind of car you have to drive. All we know is you can't mix wool and linen, and they need tzitzis on the corners. And if you take care of those details, those technicalities, then all clothing is technically permissible. It's all allowed. But who doesn't know that the competitiveness in the area of fashion to replace your closet, your wardrobe, each time the fashion changes. If you can afford it, it's one thing, but how many people are trying to keep up and they can't afford it and they go into debt and they're convinced to go onto those department store credit cards and they're throwing away perfectly good clothing and replacing it with not good clothing, all because they're keeping up with a, a, a fashion industry that moves at a pace that's arbitrary and that you can never keep up with. And is there arrogance? Is it all about the label that you're wearing? Are people indulging in a label over quality beyond what they can afford? In addition to the sense of jealousy and envy that it creates and the sense of desire. I know people that fall asleep picturing watches they want to buy. They fall asleep picturing clothing they dream of. It becomes actually their, their goal. They put a picture on their mirror. It's what they're working for. So if this is what we value, and again, there's nothing wrong if you can afford it. There's nothing wrong with wearing fine things. Nothing wrong with having nice things. But it can't define us. It can't be what we crave. It can't consume us. It can't cloud our judgment so we go into debt or we're willing to cut corners or we prioritize it over people and over experiences because they're just things. So we have to have it in the right, in the right uh, priority. And, and if we're indulging and if it creates envy and jealousy and lust and desire and it consumes us, and it clouds our judgment, then what are we left with? When the Yetzirah sees that a person is adjusting their clothing and always concerned about their garments and grooming their hair, in other words, if a person is vain, the Yetzirah says to the vain person, I got you, you're mine. A person who's consumed by vanity is going to be skewed in their judgment is going to be undisciplined in other areas of life because they want to satisfy the need to indulge their vain, their vanity. And so the Yitzhar says, Zesheli, this one is mine. You know, begodim, clothing, is milashon bogeid, to rebel. In the clothing we wear, we can be acting rebelliously. If it's immodest clothing, we're rebelling against our own neshama sense of, of modesty. And if it's clothing that's ostentatious, then we're rebelling against a sense of humility. And if it's clothing that we can't afford, then we're rebelling against a sense of having good judgment. So clothing says a lot about the man. And again, there's nothing wrong with having nice clothing. There's nothing wrong with enjoying nice clothing. But the question is, do you have it and enjoy it because it defines you? Could you not live without it? Does it cloud judgment? Does it become who you are? Does it create a sense of competitiveness and envy among others? Or is it something that's happenstance? Is it happenstance? You know, among men, I can tell you that the ones who want you to know that they have an expensive jacket, so when they're at your house and they fold their jacket on the couch or over the chair, they do it with the label out. 
you need to see the label of what they're wearing. And there are other people who just enjoy fine things and they could care less if no one ever knows the label or what they paid or what brand it is. It's just a nice thing and they enjoy the finer things in life. And there are other people who could care less. They buy things that are not fine and they don't care if anyone knows the label and they don't care if anyone knows the label and it's the cheapest label around. So there's nothing wrong with enjoying the finest things, but it can't define us. Precious is our capacity to live without, to prove to ourselves, to others, and to God that it doesn't define us, it's not who we are, it's not what we need, and that we can live without. We'll pick up with this, please God, next week. we we'll continue 8.45, Living with Amuna. Come back, same, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll always be notified when our next classes are happening. Tonight, 9 p.m., we go behind the bima with our congressman, Ted Deutsch, and his wife, Jill, for a fascinating apolitical conversation about being a Jewish member of the House of Representatives. It's at 9 p.m. tonight. Have a phenomenal day. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.